Bible to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Trust you are all having a fantastic, fabulous week. Amen. I love seeing such an awesome group, even on our midweek services on Wednesdays. And, you know, I, I, I tell you probably almost every week just how much we value this time and value these moments together. I love being able to get into the Word and uh, teach a little bit. Um, that's my main gifting. That's where I really, uh, that's my main strength is teaching. I just love to teach. Someone told me one time, it said, uh, when, when you know someone's a teacher, everyone's on the edge of their seat, waiting on every next word. What's the next point? What's the next thing? And, um, and I just love being able to communicate the word of God with excellence and with clarity and with understanding. Um, that's a value of mine. And uh, here in Romans chapter 10, we've been talking for the last several weeks on uh, these Wednesday nights, these midweek services about faith. We've been talking about uh, how we operate in faith. What does faith look like in the life of the believer? And um, faith is marked by challenges. And faith is marked by tests. And faith is marked by uh, uh, trials that come against it. Uh, faith always has an opposition. You have to understand this. Faith, the, the, just the mere sheer fact that we are operating in faith means that there is a test or a trial or a challenge in front of us. We have to understand this. You can't have one without the, without the other. We said that faith that is not tested does not grow. You could put it this way. Faith that is not tested could not be trusted. I don't want to trust in faith that's never been tested, right? I don't want to put my, my faith in a faith that hasn't had any opportunity to work against something. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you know I remember we, we began the year talking about perspective, and, and faith is a perspective. Faith is a way that you see something, and we have to learn to see it differently before you see it differently. If that makes sense. What I mean is you've got to see it before you see it. You've got to see it in your spirit and in by faith before you see it take place in the natural. God is always moving us beyond what we see. We have to understand the capacity to live beyond reality. You have to understand the capacity that God is calling us to live beyond reality. When he makes a statement and he says, it is impossible Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I mean, that's a, that's a fundamental statement. You can't erase that. When God spoke that, he couldn't go back. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that strong. No, he meant if you're not living beyond your reality, you're not pleasing the Father. We've got to be living in what we do not see. So this, this component of faith and this element of faith has to be understood by believers. It has to. The Bible tells us that by faith we are saved. By faith, you didn't even come into the kingdom without operating in some level, some operation of faith working in your life. And so, you know, as believers, the way we started is the way we have to stay. The way you started this thing is what's going to get you through this thing. You started in faith, we've got to continue 
in faith. Paul even said, uh, believers, I want you to contend for the faith. So he's, he's, he's showing us the value of this faith system. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, just breaks it down for us real easy. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there's two things that are, that are mentioned here that Paul is, is tying together here in this verse. He's tying two things. Number one, he's tying the word of God. And number two, he's tying it to faith. There has to be a value for the word of God if you want to operate in faith. I'll say that again. There must be a value for the word of God if you want to operate by faith. We cannot neglect one and get the other. You cannot negate a value for the word of God and grow or develop in faith. He said faith comes. If you're even going to receive faith, you're going to receive it because you heard something or because you read something or because you saw something. We saw this a few weeks ago. Uh, You know, we've been looking in Mark chapter 5 with the woman with the issue of blood and uh, Jairus, uh, the the ruler of the synagogue and, and his son or his daughter that was at the point of death. We've been studying both of those cases and if you remember, the woman with the issue of blood, she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment, but she said to herself, she said to herself, if I may touch. Well, why did she say that? Well, if you back up a little further, it said that she had heard about Jesus. What she heard translated into what she said, and what she said became what she saw. I said what she heard translated into what she said, and what she said became what she saw. There's a connection here. And so there's got to be hearing. There's got to be a a value for the word of God and a value for this. And and, and I see believers a lot of times that they want to operate in faith, but they don't have a value for the word. That they don't, they're, they're not in this consistently and continually. I've said it before, but, you, you know, bring a Bible to church. You should bring your Bible. I promise you'll use it. <laughs> There's not going to be one service that you will never, I don't know if I need this. I, I, Pastor Mark didn't even make us get it out. You'll use the word, but we need to have a value for the word of God. We cannot allow our culture to dictate our value for the word. We cannot allow the world we live in to dictate how much we're in this thing. This is the, this is Jesus, you understand that. He was the Word, and he became flesh. So this is Jesus right here speaking to us. And it says that if I will make a value for this in my life, if I will make time to be in this Word, the byproduct I can expect is a development of faith, a development of faith. Now, faith comes by hearing. You can put a period there. And you can say, faith comes by hearing, period. Faith comes by hearing. And I know this is true because I talk to people all the time, and whatever they listen to determines what they say, regardless of if it's the word or not. If you spend time listening to the doctor's report and focusing on the doctor's report and what it might be and this and that, then they, they build faith in that stuff. See, this is why fear isn't the opposite of faith, because you can build faith in fear. You can have more faith in what's, what might be. And this is the thing that gets me. 
is we will give more value to a threat the enemy gives that hasn't even happened yet over what God says that is done, settled, it's, it's over, it's a, if he said it, it's done, it's past tense, and now we're just walking this thing. He said we are more than conquerors. He said by his stripes you were healed, past tense, before you were sick, you were healed. That's already been bought and purchased. But we will accept a lie that the enemy brings over the truth that God has already presented. As if it's more powerful than what his word says. Why is that? Because we give more attention to it. We give more focus to it. And where you give your focus determines where you build your faith. Where you give your focus determines where you build your faith. My attention, my attention is is the most key. That's why I just pray that we would be attentive tonight, that we would be focused Tonight, not thinking about tomorrow, not thinking about what happened today or earlier this week, but that we would give God our attention to his word. This is the most valuable thing we have. And he's saying here, if you will give attention to my word, if you will hear my word, and then obviously we know observe to do it, follow after it, we can expect faith to be built in, built up within us, a faith that can be trusted, a faith that can be trusted in the midst of the test. And in the midst of the trial and in the midst of the challenge, the reason why you have to have faith is because you're not yet living in what God has already spoken to you. The reason why we even have to have faith is because the reality a lot of times does not align with what God has spoken over our life, has declared. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of opportunities. I could give you uh, several examples just in the last 24 hours where I could My life does not align with you are more than conquerors. I've got I've got examples. I've got examples. My wife right now is at home. Her her her, she tweaked her back somehow today. So right now my 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 view and my reality doesn't align with by his stripes you were healed. What what the enemy has has tried to bring on her. Uh, her body and the muscles and the tendons or whatever's going on there is not in alignment with the word of God, but that doesn't change. See, my experience doesn't change my expectation. And this is why we have to operate in faith, because my experience does not dictate what I'm expecting God to do in my life. It doesn't change his word. God doesn't say, well, you, you can cross that one out, Pastor Mark. Isaiah 53, 11, or 53 verse 5 isn't for you, so, so that's for everybody else, but healing is not for you. I was listening to a pastor just this week uh, say this. He said, it was, it was really good. He said, I have literally seen miracles, signs, and wonders happen right in front of me. I've seen people healed in front of me. So if you want to try to convince me that healing is not for today or, or, or healing's been done away with, you're talking to the wrong person. I'm too far gone. You're going to have to go have that conversation for someone else. And if you want to live your life without ever believing or seeing healings or miracles or manifestations still happen today, then you can do that. But for me, when I get sick, I believe I'm going to be, become well. And when the doctor finds something, I believe it's going to be taken away. And when something comes out of alignment, I believe that God can switch it because he created this body. He can fix this body. But that's faith. So my experience that's currently happening doesn't change my expectation of what God will do and already has done. This is faith. This is why we have to operate by faith. So then faith comes by hearing my attention. Hearing is a gate. 
right? We learned as kids, you have an eye gate and an ear gate. Why don't we teach kids to guard their gaze, by the way? They can sing the Frozen song from beginning to end. But can they quote scripture? I'm being serious now. I may be outdated. You can write me off. I'm not that old. I don't feel that old. But, but getting the word in your heart and knowing it. See, a lot of times we want to use faith in response to something rather than being proactive with it. I want to build my faith after the test comes. That's like showing up at a marathon and saying, can you give me six weeks uh, to, to train and practice? And they're like, dude, we're ready to go. You knew this was on the calendar. We've been, we're, we're going. You don't train for the game once the game starts. You don't train for the game in game time. The practice and the preparation and the training and the development of the abilities that are going to be necessary in game time come weeks and years before you ever get on the playing field. And it's not as as cool and it's not as desired because, right, nobody shows up to the practice. They want to come see the game, right? There's all kinds of people coming to see the Super Bowl this weekend. But those guys are doing stuff this week that nobody cares about. Well, actually, they do care about practices the week of Super Bowl. I was in Jacksonville. It was my first year in Jacksonville in 2004 uh, when the uh, well, it was the same teams, New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles, played in Jacksonville, played the Super Bowl. And remember, uh, I was just a quick little story, a little rant here. I was working at the outlet malls in St. Augustine. And um, so I was just working there, and a guy comes in, kind of like, you know, two or three guys and uh, like probably their wives came in wearing the New England Patriots tags, like the passes or whatever, because uh, apparently they were practicing at a high school in St. Augustine. And uh, so they come in, and, and uh, they came, and they bought some stuff, and I was checking them out, and, and I was like, um, just trying to drop little hints, you know, like, man, I... I would sure love to meet Tom Brady one day. That would be so cool. You know, trying to see if they can, if I could get anything there, you know. It, it, it didn't work. Actually, if I, I'll tell you the real story. The real story is pretty interesting. So he asked for my phone number. He said, let me see what I can do. So I, I gave him my number. That was awesome. He called me later that night. I'm not even joking. He called me that later that night. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night. And Pastor Marcus was with me, so he can vouch for this. He called me later that night. I was like, dude, we're going going to hang out with Tom Brady. This is awesome. And so he calls me, and he said, "Uh, hey, man, I was calling to see if y'all know of any good clubs in St. Augustine. We want to go check out some clubs. And I was like, Pastor Marcus, real quick, do you know of any clubs? I I have no idea. So I said, no, man, I'm sorry. I just moved here. I, I I don't know. Of course, I wouldn't have known anyways. But So that was that story. But apparently he was the he was the brother of one of the wide receivers uh, for the Patriots at the time. Anyways, but but during Super Bowl week they're all sh- they'll they'll show up for practices, but they ain't showing up for summer camp and they ain't showing for two days and they they're not doing all why it, it, it everybody comes to the game, but if you don't do the preparation and the development prior to the game, see faith has to be developed before the test comes. Faith has to be developed. It has to be assured within us. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. 
I'm sorry, John 11. John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus and a lot of times where we get jumbled up with faith is when, when we're believing for something, we're believing for an outcome. We're believing for an outcome, but God is trying to change our outlook. We're believing for the end result, but God is trying to get us fixed. Set your minds on things above, not on things below. He's trying to fix our minds because the process to the outcome doesn't always look like it's taking us in the right direction. We talked last week uh, about what do you do when things get worse. And when we start in faith, we usually think that every step looks like this, progress. I'm moving closer to my outcome. I'm moving closer to what I'm believing for. I'm moving closer. The doctor's going to respond and say, I I don't know what happened, but everything's gone. Or the banker's going to call and say, uh, uh, everything's good. We can we can get you that loan. Or or all of a sudden you're going to look at your checking account and the money's there or whatever. But but God is trying to say, I need you to have an outlook that will overcome your outcome, an outlook that will get you to the end, regardless of what the process looks like along the way. And we saw that with Jairus, his daughter. He showed up and he said what? He stated his expectation. Uh, I believe if you come and lay hands on my daughter, she's at the point of death. If you lay hands on her, she will be healed. That was his belief. That was his outcome. The outcome is that she's healed, right? It doesn't matter how we get there. It doesn't matter which avenue we take. We can go up, down. At the end, we want the result, healing. And so does God. So does God. And so John chapter 11, we've got a scenario that kind of goes along the same lines. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed, with, who on, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness, watch this, is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He says a very interesting thing. He says, this sickness is not unto death. Essentially, what he's saying is, this sickness will not end. In death. It will not end. We're talking about outcome. We're talking about result. This sickness will not result in death. This sickness will, the end of the story will not be death. He will live. But, but, now he's, he's, he's got an ulterior motive. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, sometimes I wonder if God has an ulterior motive with our challenge and with our test and and with the trial that maybe it's not so much about us getting through something, but it's about him being glorified through the process. That he gets the glory. That's what he says right here. This sickness will not end in death. I got that covered. But there's something else that's going to happen through this process. Not only is Lazarus going to live, not only is at the end of the day he's going to live, but... We're going to get the glory through it. 
I'm going to get the glory. God's going to get the glory. I'm going to be glorified through this process. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when they, he heard he was sick, he left immediately to go see where he was because he loved them, right? But that's not what it says. It says he stayed two more days. It's almost like a joke. He loved Lazarus so much that he decided to stay right where he was and not attend to his needs immediately. He loves Lazarus. I mean, why? You know, it's just funny. They just make the statement. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. Isn't that what he said about the little girl? See, this is why outlook is so important. Where we see death, Jesus sees sleeping, resting, if you will. Oh, they're just recharging their batteries. That, that little girl, she's not dead. She's asleep. What? Because when you sleep, you wake up. He's saying that this isn't, this isn't done. It's not the end of the road. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. I mean, it just, whew, right over their head. Didn't even get it. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Recognizing reality does not mean that I don't believe in what the ultimate outcome will be. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. That's very important, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I mean, we, these disciples have no outlook. <laughs> no outlook. I guess we're going to go die too. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Apparently, I'm dead. Apparently, when he says sleep, he means we're going to die. And then you skip on down to verse, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Stating expectation. Remember, the end goal that we're all hoping for, that we're all believing for, is he will be healed of his sickness. He will live. And she says, if you had been here, that's as far as her faith had stretched. You can only have faith as far as you believe. You can only have faith as far as you know. See, this is why hearing and hearing by the word of God is so valuable. Because I don't want to build my faith on experience. She's building her faith off of what she's seen Jesus do. You've, you've gone to the location where he is, where the individual is that's hurting, that's sick. You've laid your hands on him, and they're healed. If you had been here... He would not have died. Now, remember, Jesus made a statement. He said, this sickness is not unto death. This sickness will not end in death. So here's the conclusion they should have come to. If he dies, it's not over. 
Did you catch that? He said this sickness is not unto death. So if, it, if, if what we see is death, then there's still more to the story. It's not over yet. See, this is the thing is we kill the story before Jesus is done working on it. We kill our faith and we, we, we take our faith and we, we submerge it underneath the reality and we lose our expectation when he's already declared a word that is bigger than our experience. If you experience death, then you can know this. He promised life, so it must not be over. There's more to the story. It's not done yet. When we see the thing die, when we get that report, when we see it retract and it looks worse than when we started. So I help out people all the time. As a pastor, I'm always communicating with people that are going through situations where they need faith, where they have to believe in God because I can't fix it. They can't fix it. I've helped several people that doctors couldn't fix it. A financier couldn't fix it. A banker couldn't fix it. A a, a counselor couldn't fix it. A therapist couldn't fix it. A psychiatrist couldn't. It was beyond man's natural ability to fix the situation. So you have to put your faith and trust in God at that point. And and the thing is, is, is they get this idea that if they meet with Pastor Mark and I encourage them and I build them up and I remind them what God's word says, that everything's automatically going to be up and to the right from that point on. That their marriage all of a sudden is going to turn around and the, 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 the sickness in their body is all of a sudden going to die and just go away. Or the, the, the mental issues that they're having or the, the financial issues that they're having. And I have to always remind them and encourage them, look, regardless of what you see and regardless of what happens from this point on, from this conversation on, it does not change what God's word said. And you're going to have to stay to God's word when everything else is falling apart. That's where you have to stay. And we said last week, how long do I stand? Until you get it. So that means that we can pray before you go see the doctor. And we're believing for a good report. We're believing. And if they come and they say, man, we found it and you got six weeks. It doesn't change God's word. It doesn't change your expectation. And this is where faith is challenged. And this is where faith grows. This is what we have to see. Because I'm not the magic potion. Well, if I just go talk to my pastor about it, it'll all be, it doesn't work that way. You have to stay with what God's word said, regardless of the reality. He said, this sickness is not unto death. What does he do? He dies. And even Jesus communicates, Lazarus is dead. But he communicates it so nonchalantly. He communicates it so casually like, but I said it's not going to end in death. So what's the problem? If he's dead today and he was alive yesterday, in the natural it's gotten worse. But I already spoke the word. See, this is why the word is so important because you can't stand on what you don't know. I can't have faith in what I don't know. Hearing, faith comes by hearing. Notice it said hearing and not have heard. Well, I heard that one time. Oh, yeah, my preacher preached that. No, no, no. You've got to keep it in you. That's what I tell people. When, when, you're, going, when you're battling sickness, when you're battling uh, something in your body, have you ever noticed that people's level of, uh, the, 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 the level of struggle they experience 
usually determines the level of tenacity that they go after. I mean, I, I, I've, I've dealt with sick people. I think I used the example last week, visit them in the hospital. And, and, and I mean, they want to be healed. They want, they want to see something change in their body. Doctors give them no hope. And, and you walk in the hospital room, and there's no faith going on whatsoever. There's nothing there to build the faith. Now, if the doctor is, is shoving stuff into your body to combat the natural sickness, why aren't we shoving stuff into your mind to combat the spiritual issue? You see what I'm saying? You need to start dosing up, if you will, on the word of God. That's the time. I mean, all that should be going on around you is the word. Something that's going to convince yourself, convince your mind that the expectation I set is greater than the reality I see. The expectation I set is greater than the reality I see. It's greater. It's the, 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 the sickness in my body is not greater than God's word. I mean, I was just talking with Chris and Terry. They've, they, they've got a, a young man down in Jacksonville, Florida, that's been battling some kind of infection. The doctors can't even figure it out. What do we do then when we've literally gotten beyond man's natural ability? How old is the young man? 20, 25 years old, battling a heart, some kind of heart infection in and out of of uh, hospitals back and forth, and they've been going down and visiting. And they've even said, uh, Terry has taken a list of healing scriptures. Read these over and over and over. I'm telling you, how bad you want it is determined, is revealed by the tenacity you go after it. Because I've seen people sick, and and all they do is they surround themselves with the word of God. Now I know you want to get healed. Now I know you'll do whatever it takes. See, Jesus dealt with people that were at wit's end. You got a woman with an issue of blood ready to, to, to sacrifice herself on the altar of entering into a public arena that she's not even supposed to be in, to touch a garment, not even talk to Jesus, not even say, lay your hands on me, touch me. It's just, if I can touch you, I'll make the point of contact. I'll initiate it. If he won't, I will. That's how bad she wanted it how bad she wanted to receive by faith and and jesus responded and he turned to him and he said what daughter your faith has made you whole when those gentlemen cut the roof out of the 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 ceiling and and they dropped the young man right before jesus he said he saw their faith and when he saw it was evident it was visible you could tell this individual wasn't healed i've talked to people that are sick that have told me they were bleeding for healing and i had no idea I had no clue. They weren't talking about it. It wasn't on their lips. Faith is evident. Faith is visible. It's identifiable if you are operating in faith, if you're working towards faith. You can see it in somebody. Faith comes by hearing. Well, Jesus gave the word. This will not end in death. Verse 22, but even now I know That whatever you ask of God, God will give you. This is Martha speaking. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha again communicates her expectation. See, see what we have to do is we have to align our expectation to God's word. Because we have different perspectives. So Martha's perspective is, oh yeah, yeah, he'll rise again in the day of the resurrection. I've heard you talk about. She's not thinking what Jesus is thinking. 
You see, it's like Jesus is up here and the disciples are down here. He's sleeping. Oh, he's asleep. No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Like he's constantly trying to level the, the playing field, if you will. He's trying to catch Martha and catch the disciples up to where he is, what he's talking about, to his perspective. Set your mind on things above. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. He's saying resurrection is not an event on a calendar. Resurrection is a person. And resurrection has just showed up in the midst of death. I said that this death, that this sickness would not end in death. So even though you see death, that means it's not over. There's still more to the story. There's still something else that's going to take place. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He questions their faith. He questions their ability to believe. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, there's a few things we've got to recognize. Number one, faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. So the only way you're going to develop faith in God's word is by hearing God's word. If you want to develop faith in an arena, then you have to digest his word, get it in you, meditate on his word day and night. Go after it. Get it in you. Get it in front of you. How do you do that? Put it on your mirror. You look at it every day. Put it in your dashboard. You look at it every day. Put it on your desk. You look at it. Get it in front of you. Then get it in you. Get it in you. Put it down in your heart. Uh, David said, I hide, my, I hide your word in my heart. Hide means I've put it deep way down where no one can take it. You can't steal stuff that's on the surface. Or you can't steal stuff that's below. You steal the stuff that's easily, that hasn't been taken care of very well. But you put the valuable stuff placed where, where no one can get it. The enemy cannot steal the word. He's after the word. If you go back to Matthew chapter 13, the enemy shows up in that parable of the sower. And it says the enemy came to steal the word that was sown. He wants the word. He wants the word I'm preaching right now. He wants this right now. When you walk back out the door, he's going to say, I'm going to see what they do with it. I'm going to see how far down they put that word. And the next time sickness shows up or the next time an issue shows up where you need this word that I'm ministering right now. He's going to, is he going to come by and is he going to find it on the surface where he can just pick it up real easy? Oh, what was that word? Oh, man, what was that word? Or are you going to say, no, 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 no. I, I, just this past week, I saw on Facebook a couple individuals dialoguing with one another, and they were recanting what I had been ministering. I'm not bragging. That's not me. That's the word of God. But that shows me that the word went deep enough that they could bring it back up and say, oh, yeah, in this service, Pastor Mark said this, and oh, yeah, Pastor Mark was saying this. Now, the devil doesn't care what Pastor Mark says, but he sure cares what God says. He's after it. He wants the word of the king. Next, we have, to realize, we have to realize that many times we want the answer, but God wants the glory. We want the answer, but God wants the glory. What does that mean? That means it might not happen when we want it to happen. And it might not happen how we think it's going to happen. But God knows how to get glory in the scenario. God knows how to get glory in the situation. 
And sometimes God has to tweak some things and work some things to make sure he's the one that gets the glory. And no doctor, no banker, no therapist, no psychiatrist, no teacher, no friend, no Facebook message, no parent, no child can get the glory. He will be the only one at the end of the day. It had to be God. That's the only way it could happen. Nobody else gave us favor. Nobody else believed in us. Everybody else wrote us off. But God said from the beginning that it wouldn't end in death. But it died. That means it wasn't over. You just got to accept the fact that just because it's dead doesn't mean it's over. And Jesus isn't just asking us to believe that. He did it firsthand. I'm going to die, but in three days he showed back up. He said it is finished. But it is not over. He's still working. He's still working. Well, what happens if it goes backwards? What ha- see, this is where your faith. This is where your faith. This is what, see, see, God is trying to challenge our faith and trying to develop our faith because it's how we feast. It's how we live a life where he gets the glory. It's how we live a life where he can call us to do one thing and we will step right into it. You know, what I see a lot of uh, as a pastor, the reason why a lot of people don't operate in faith is uh, why a lot of people don't obey God is because they haven't risen their faith, developed their faith to that level. You have to have faith to obey God. Did you know that? That he doesn't just speak and you say, oh, I can do that. God tells us and asks us and shows us to do things that don't make any sense. You have to have faith just to obey him, to please him, the Bible says. It's impossible to please God. That means to respond in a way that is pleasurable to the Father. I have to live beyond what I see. And he's going to ask me to do something bigger than what I've ever done. He's going to ask me to be something bigger than I've ever been. He's going to ask me to go somewhere that I've never been. He will do that. And as we develop our faith, we will quickly respond. So we have to give attention to God's word, our focus, our hearing. We talked about it this past Sunday. We have to follow his voice. You follow his voice and your faith is developed. You've got to follow the voice of the spirit, follow the voice of the shepherd. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you that you have given us your word. You said that you have exalted your word above your name. Father, that's a word. That's a word that you stand behind. That's a word that you have given, and we know that we will see results when we stand on your word. But the word, the word is not dictated by our experience. We will not allow, no longer from this day forward, we will not allow what we see in the natural to be bigger than what you have said in the spiritual. Your word stands forever. Your word will will stand the test of time. Your word will stand against any pressure, against any challenge, against any, any opposition. And Father, we thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. And Father, we stand on your word and we, we bury ourselves in your word and we hide your word deep within our heart. And Father, I thank you that we will see our faith develop and overcome any challenge, overcome any obstacle that stands before us. Father, I thank you tonight. We'll give attention to these words. We'll focus on these words. We'll make it a part of our life. We'll keep it in front of us. 
and we will see your word come to pass in our lives. And we give you glory and praise for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.